Welcome to the Reform Rookie Podcast. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so? Worthy vicar, do we find anything here of relics? By faith man lives and is made righteous, not by what he does for himself. Be it adoration of relics, singing of masses, pilgrimages to Rome, purchase of pardon for his sins, but by faith in what God has done for him already through his son. Dr. Martin, if you leave the Christian to live only by faith, if you sweep away all good works, all these glorious things you dismiss as mere crutches, what will you put in their place? Christ. Man only needs Jesus Christ. Uh, this evening, uh, we move into chapter 8, and more than likely, we will be done with chapter 8 this evening, and next week we'll have chapter 9, and, and then we're done, we'll move on to something else. Um, but obviously the book is All Things for Good, and it's a, the whole book is really an exposition of uh, Romans 8.28. And so chapter 8 here is exhortations to those who are called. We just spent a few weeks in chapter 7 talking about the effectual calling. And so now for those who are called... Here we are. Um, let's see. If, after searching, you find that you are effectually called, I have three exhortations to you. One, admire and adore God's free grace in calling you, that God should pass over so many, that he should pass by the wise and noble, and that the lot of free grace should fall upon you, that he should take you out of out of a state of vassalage from grinding the devil's mill and should set you above the princes of the earth and call you to inherit the throne of glory. Fall upon your knees, break forth into a thankful triumph of praise. Let your hearts be ten-string instruments to sound forth the memorial of God's saving grace. There are none so deep in debt to free grace as you are, and none should be so high mounted upon the pinnacle of thanksgiving. Say as a sweet singer, I will extol you, O God, my King. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever. Those who are monuments of mercy should be trumpets of praise. O long to be in heaven, where your thanksgiving shall be purer and shall be raised a note higher. Hmm. So he's kind of like, meh, about the whole thing. <laughs> he's... Not very enthusiastic at all. No. I tell you. It's amazing though sometimes when we when we come to church and we're exhausted <laughs> and we need Watson to maybe walk up and just slap us in the face <laughs> like what are you doing? Um no, but this is his exhortation to us as believers, all of us. You know, as we've gone through the book, we've discussed at great length how all things work for good for those who love God. And Watson has pointed out that those who love God have been effectually called by him, and recognizing that our love for God originates in his love for us, and that by his unmerited favor. You know, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, still. Unmerited. We didn't do anything. This is his free grace, nothing that we've earned. It's not something he owed us. 
by any stretch. Um, and so the only proper response is what? Admiration and adoration. Um, how can we demonstrate that? How can we demonstrate our admiration and our adoration of God's free grace? Tell everyone you know about it. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you love something, the old illustration I use all the time, you go out to, to dinner, you, you get something good to eat. The next day you're at work, you're like, oh, you got to go to this place. They have the best this, this, this. <laughs> God just saved you for all eternity. <laughs> and the next day you don't tell anyone? <laughs> like, that'd be the first thing that you would do is to share what happened to you with someone else so that it could happen to them. <laughs> okay. First and foremost, I agree verbally. Mm -hmm. The second would be putting feet to your faith, mm -hmm. living out uh, what you've known to be truth by the fact that God has changed your heart, softened your heart. Obviously, your perspective on things, your worldview is going to change. And so uh, you, you glorify Him in your in your living, in mm -hmm. your actions. Yeah. Steve, I was going to say uh, thankfulness. Yeah. Um, be thankful for everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Indeed. All correct. All good answers. Absolutely. All right. So that's the first ad exhortation. Number two. Pity those who are not yet called. Sinners in scarlet are not objects of envy, but pity. They are under the power of Satan. They tread every day on the brink of the bottomless pit. What if death should cast them in? Oh, pity unconverted sinners. If you pity an ox or a donkey going astray, will you not pity a soul going astray from God who has lost his way and his wits as upon the precipice of damnation? <coughs> Nay, not only pity sinners, but pray for them. Though they curse you, you must pray for them. You will pray for people who are demented. Sinners are demented. When he came to his senses, it seems the prodigal before conversion was in his senses. Wicked men are going to execution. Sin is the halter which strangles them. Death removes them off the ladder, and hell is their burning place. Will you not pray for them when you see them in such danger? I think that's all about that one. Okay. All righty. So, I, I appreciate the contrast right away. What does he say here? That they're not objects of envy. Why would they be objects of envy? Well, it's living in the world, sometimes, you know, they appear to be, oh, this is a great life, but mm -hmm. the reality is, no. Yeah. We have the great life. Hmm. Yeah. Are you familiar with Psalm 73? My foot almost slipped, right? He's looking at the wicked. He's looking at the worldly. It's like, they always seem to get away with it. <laughs> Everything seems to be going their way. Um, you know, until he came to the house of the Lord and he remembered their end. Um, but it is true. We, we can still have that temptation today to think, wouldn't it just be easier <laughs> if I wasn't living by this higher standard? You know, it just seems to cause trouble sometimes. Now, sometimes our thinking can get muddled and we lose perspective. Um, but here he, he reminds us in, in very uh, blunt terms of their situation. Uh, they're treading every day on the brink of the bottomless pit. You know, 
going out to the abortion mill and, you know, you hear all these different excuses. Or, like, oh, no, God understands or God will forgive if they're not cursing you out just, you know, straight away. And we make justifications for ourselves and for our sin. Oh, you know, I'll ask for forgiveness later on. And lots of people will say that. It's, it's a common saying. It's easier to ask forgiveness than it is for permission, right? And so some people just go on and do what they're going to do. Like, oh, I'll get it right later on. And yet, you know, we see the war in Ukraine, a subway shooting the other day. You know, there's a drive-by. A 12-year-old was sitting in a car and eating lunch and was a victim of a drive-by. You know, he thinks, his parents think, he's got decades of life left to do whatever he needs to do. And yet this very night, your soul could be required of you. So no one is promised tomorrow. And people we know and love are treading on the brink of the bottomless pit. And we think of uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God and, and that very graphic description. Uh, see, so as we should pity them. You know, they're not, they're not getting away with anything. It sometimes seems that way, uh, but they're certainly not. So not only pity them, but pray for them. And of course, as we've said, share the truth with them. Uh, any questions or comments on that? I think uh, we should pity them not only because we have been shown grace and they haven't in that sense, but we could be in their place as well if we wanted to talk about the grace of God. Yeah. Um, we were in their place before we were in Christ. Mm -hmm. So um, just to keep that in mind, just to see us in their shoes, you know, um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're to love others as we love ourselves. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. <laughs> you know, if you're heading for hell, wouldn't, wouldn't you want someone to tell you? <laughs> I mean, most of us, you know, if apart from Christ, we could reject that, and, and people often do. Um, but who was, who was that magician? It's a pen and teller. Mm -hmm. Was it pen? Yes. yes. You know, well-known atheist, right? Doesn't believe in God. And yet he's, he's offended at Christians who won't try to give him the gospel. He goes, you know I'm heading to hell and you won't tell me about it? How much hatred do you have to have for your fellow man? An atheist gets it, <laughs> common grace. He's an image bearer, he understands, but sadly he rejects the truth that um, is the means of salvation. But yeah, so we should pity them, pray for them, and share the truth with them. Number three, you who are effectually called, honor your high calling. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Christians must keep a decorum. They must observe what is lovely. This is seasonable advice when many who profess to be called of God, yet by their loose and irregular walking, cast a blemish on religion, whereby the ways of God are evil spoken of. It is uh, Salvian speech. What do pagans say when they see Christians live scandalously? Surely Christ taught them no better. Will you approach Christ and make him suffer again by abusing your heavenly calling? It is one of the saddest sights to see a man lift up his hands in prayer and with those hands oppress. To hear the same tongue praise God at one time and at another lie and slander. To hear a man in words profess God and in works deny him. Oh, how unworthy is this. Yours is a holy calling, and will you be unholy? 
Do you think you may take liberty as others do? The Nazarite had a vow on him, separated himself to God, and promised abstinence. Though others did drink wine, it was not fit for the Nazarite to do it. So, though others are loose in vain, it is not fit for those who are set apart for God by effectual calling. Are not flowers sweeter than weeds? You must be now a peculiar people, not only peculiar in regard to dignity, but deportment. Abhor all motions of sin because it would disparage your high calling. Well, what does it say here? So we're to honor our high calling, and in a minute we'll, we'll go into that. Um, and so he gives us a, a mouthful of a description there. And we kind of touched on it actually with the, uh, the first exhortation, uh, how do we show our admiration and adoration. But in your own words, how, how, would you, how would you describe what he's calling you to in living this life? I remember when I had gotten saved, there was always the talk about we got to go out and witness. Mm -hmm. The reality is witness is what you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people have taken it to mean, well, I'm witnessing when I'm sharing the God. No, your very life should be a witness to mm -hmm. Christ. Yeah. You know, Indeed. actions. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've thought about this recently in the context of work, and I've tried to make that a prayer that I say before I go into my office every day. I interact with so many people, you know, on a daily basis. And it's just in absolutely everything that we do, and it's something that I've struggled with. Is in one sense, I say, well, now I'm at a Bible study, and now I'm at work. Mm -hmm. But trying to find a way for myself to keep this mindset in all areas of my life, mm -hmm. I've actually tried to make that my prayer because yeah. it's a big struggle. Yeah. It's a big struggle. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen <laughs> by mistake, yeah. you know. Um, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think it could even be in simple things as, you know, praying and reading your Bible mm -hmm. in public. Um, something that you don't have to be loud and, and um, old about, you know, it mm -hmm. could be simple things, you know, because we're, we're called to live uh, you know, quiet lives. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's just something to consider. I, I found that even simple things like if you do blow it, apologizing and doing it in front of those who may have known about it. Not, mm -hmm. not uh, in the sense of, uh, look at me, I'm apologizing, but mm -hmm. since being sincere and, you know, this, you know, like say, say, I remember this a while back, but I'd lost my temper because uh, one of the CSR people were just pounding me on a problem mm -hmm. and I you know my reaction on the phone was poor mm -hmm. very poor and so I walked over to that group later on and I openly to that one person apologized mm -hmm. but because I knew the other CSR people had heard this mm -hmm. they needed to hear that apology as well mm -hmm. and it's it's gone a long way in my relationship with that group you know and so much so I was just sharing with uh, Scott and Alex, um, some of the people from work want to donate towards this the Ukraine, mm. and our company refuses to touch that. Uh -huh. But they had come to me, and I'm asking myself, why did they come to me? Mm -hmm. And I realized why they came to me. Yeah. And again, 
this plays out in each one of our lives in different ways, mm -hmm. but to what everyone has said, how we come off in front of people is plays a major role, and they begin to realize there's something different. Like, like Jason said, you know, he's he's now got a totally different mindset when he goes into work, and he's he's praying, Lord, you know, help me to maneuver my day that you know, however I react is going to be appropriate. And I think we we have to, we, we, because humanly speaking, we're bound to screw up one way or another. <laughs> I mean, when, when Paul is talking about, like, you know, that we shouldn't be complainers and that we would show ourselves to be children of God because we don't complain, that's how stark the contrast is. That something that's just, it's just a given that if you're in a work environment, someone's complaining about something. You have guys complaining about the workload or complaining about the boss or the boss is complaining about the employer or he's complaining about the, the client. To not be a complainer is just like... <laughs> they just know that there's something off about the vibe because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. And if you do blow it, um, yeah, unfortunately, I've had that experience myself of, of blowing it and, and, and um, being less than gentle when I was talking with the supervisor who, you know, we were just kind of at, at odds. Um, but recognizing that I had gone too far, I had allowed anger to, to uh, influence my reaction, went and apologized to him. And that's just, it does set you apart because most people don't apologize unless they need to do it to save their job or something you know they need to do a press conference and you know because their <laughs> livelihoods at stake but to just say i was a jerk i'm sorry you know will you forgive me you know it, it can you know so on the on the positive side we want to make sure that we're intentional to be different uh to abstain from those things other people are doing that we know god has called us to something higher but should we fail to to ask for forgiveness is, is also not expected, but can also set us apart. Um, to pray without ceasing, mm -hmm. so that your mindset is always to please Christ, mm -hmm. and that um, you know we, we want to abide in Him, so we don't want to forget about it, and we don't want to let the world take over our, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, Amen. Okay, so did we cover all that? Um, How contrary, sad sight to see the profession, but then everything that they do is opposed to that. So the question is, what is it to walk worthy of our heavenly calling? One, it is to walk regularly, to tread with an even foot and walk according to the rules and axioms of the word. A true saint is for canonical obedience. He follows the canon of scripture as many as walk according to this canon. When we leave men's inventions and cleave to God's institutions, when we walk after the word as Israel after the pillar of fire, this is walking worthy of our heavenly calling. You understand what he means here? He threw in some phrases we might not normally use and, and uh, some descriptions we might not normally use. What does it mean to walk regularly? What's it mean to walk with a, a tread with an even foot? You guys say that all the time, right? <laughs> Jason, is that, is, that, is that in the papers? That... <laughs> I wish. In other words, be consistently. Exactly. Yes. Exactly right. Uh, to be consistent. To tread with an even foot. 
and consistent with the Word of God. Um, you know, talking about the canon. He says, when we leave men's inventions, what do you, what do you think he means by that? The man's worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man's worldview. Thinking of just like you know, things that we take for technology, for example. Yeah, I don't. um, I mean, that can apply. It certainly can. Um, But I think here, in the context of what he's saying, men's inventions versus God institutions. You know, what's an institution that God has established? You know, think of it that way. The church, right? Marriage. I mean, what what are our inventions that depart from marriage? Civil unions, <laughs> common law marriage, um, and then it just gets worse, right? <laughs> the, what's that? Cohabitating. Yeah, cohabitating, um, and then the other depravities and and calling, you know, uh, two of the same <laughs> rather than two of the different, and calling that marriage. Um, no, these are these are the inventions of men. You know, um, so the the different things that men incorporate in terms of how to live justly, how to live righteously. I mean, God established the civil magistrate. You know, He gave us the law. He gave us judges, and man has sought to leave that behind and redefine it and, and make something for themselves that they feel like they're happier with. Um, so there's all sorts of ways that men go about life. We go about our relationships. We go about our our business according to our own wisdom. It's our invention. It's not God's institution. It's not God's word. It's not his ways. Um, But if we're going to walk worthy of our heavenly calling, he makes it clear here. We should know the canon of scripture, and we we should be seeking to live consistently with it. Um, it, it's sad in, in the world today. I mean, um, if you've ever heard pastors talk about counseling, and we hold to nathetic counseling, biblical counseling, and experiences with others who have all the pop psychology books on the shelf of today. Let's hear what man has to say about this rather than what does God's word say about that. What that's in the church, I mean, that's rot and corruption. That's not working, uh, walking according to our, our heavenly calling. So we want to know what the word says, and we want to seek it to... Apply it to every area of life. Any other questions or comments about that little, that one? We have more. To walk worthy of our calling is to walk singularly. Among all the people of the earth, I consider you alone to be righteous. When others walked with the devil, Noah walked with God. We are forbidden to run with the multitude. Though in civil things, Singularity is not commendable, yet in religion it is good to be singular. Um, Melanchthon, I'm saying his name wrong, I'm sorry, was the glory of the age he lived in. Athanasius was singularly holy. Uh, He appeared for God when the stream of the times ran another way. It is better to be a pattern of holiness than a partner in wickedness. It is better to go to heaven with a few than to hell in the crowd. We must walk in an opposite course to the people of the world. And so what's he saying here? How would you put that in your own words? 
Our God can, our God will, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow down and worship you. There you go. Singularity of heart, mm -hmm. undivided heart. Yeah. Even if all the rest of uh, the inhabitants of Babylon are bowing down, even if the other Jewish exiles are bowing down, partaking of the king's delicacies, Daniel and his friends refused to eat the king's food that violated the dietary laws. Daniel's friends refused to bow uh, to the image of Nebuchadnezzar and risking the fiery furnace. Um, this gentleman here, uh, Melanchthon, he's a German theologian. He was a friend of Luther, so he was active uh, during the Reformation. So when everyone else is walking one way, and we know, you know, uh, Athanasius, Athanasius against the world, right? Want to give the Latin phrase? Contramundum. Contramundum. I can barely speak English. I'm working on my Latin. So, uh, but yes, we don't walk differently just to walk differently. <laughs> We're not seeking to be distinct or different just for distinctiveness sake. Um, but we must walk in contrast to the worldliness that is around us and the wickedness that's around us. We must be different. We must go the other way. Questions or comments about that? Fairly straightforward, right? Three, to walk worthy of our calling is to walk cheerfully. Rejoice in the Lord always. Too much drooping of spirit disparages our high calling and makes others suspect a godly life to be melancholy. Christ, love, Christ loves to see us rejoicing in him. Cosinus speaks of a dove whose wings being perfumed with sweet ointments drew the other doves after her. Cheerfulness is a perfume to draw others to godliness. True religion does not banish joy. As there is a seriousness without sourness, so there is a cheerful liveliness without lightness. When the prodigal was converted, they began to be merry. Who should be, mer uh, who should be cheerful if not the people of God? They are no sooner born of the Spirit but they are heirs to a crown. God himself is their portion, and heaven is their mansion, and shall they not rejoice? Yeah. It's a Puritan. I thought they were all sour, dour-faced guys, right? What's this cheerfulness talk? No, but of course, um, they understood, you know. Um, you know, they were serious about holiness, and so sometimes people confuse that. But, no, you can be holy and, and, and quite cheerful. Um, any comments about that, uh, about this drooping of a spirit disparaging our high calling? Do we see that these days? <laughs> Not here. Unless it's too early or the coffee's out. <laughs> Nothing? Well, I, I've heard the Christian walk be described as, you know, from an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's like walking into a casket, mm -hmm. you know, just burying yourself mm -hmm. and the christian says no it's more like opening a treasure chest where every day you, you know you're, you're pulling out more jewels and more things that you've never seen before and you, you're you're loving what god has done for you and yes you're dying to yourself mm -hmm. but you're living for something that's transcendent that's mm -hmm. eternal that's has actual meaning to mm -hmm. it, you know eternal meaning mm -hmm. so many people devote their lives to things that are that are a vapor yeah they're going to be gone mm -hmm. you know I was watching this documentary about people who love the movie Back to the Future. They okay. devoted their entire lives wow. to this movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, remember the first one? 
memorabilia, books. This, this guy, he is solely devoted to Back to the Future. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, this is the purpose for your life? Gosh, even that's a guy who's, who's to be pitied. Mm -hmm. he's, he's so short-sighted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the way Watson says also you can have it without likeness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have, Christians in particular, have a, a wrong impression of what it means to rejoice or to be joyful. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can very easily lapse into giddiness. Remember a, year, a couple of years back, they had laughing in the spirit. If you weren't laughing in the spirit, you know, you didn't have the joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. As Biblical joy has nothing to do with that. In fact, probably the best description of what it means to be joyous is that you have a calm delight mm -hmm. and that's really what it's all about it's not mm -hmm. i mean you, 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 i mean obviously there is a time to laugh and, mm -hmm. and don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys can't hear this on the tape you gotta go to the reform book <laughs> their microphone picks but, all this up much better <laughs> but you, you know you but you can you can have joy in the midst of, of sorrow yes you know yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't mourn like those who have no hope, right? There's there's a difference, um, and so we can. When he says yeah, rejoice always, you know, that, that's actually not hyperbole. <laughs> you know, there, we always have a reason to be rejoicing. You know, doesn't mean that we don't have sorrow at times. Um, but you know, a, a lot of people will think, oh, it's going into the casket. They'll put off. Oh, maybe I'll get right with the Lord on my deathbed. I want to have my fun first. I'm referring you back to the fact that no one knows if today is the last day or not. Um, but no, it's a shame when sometimes Christians reinforce that stereotype, like, whoa, you know, I can't have any fun. We have these standards. These kind of really, you know, do you know? Do you know what you do have? Um, so yeah, cheerfulness. But we'll continue on. To walk worthy of our calling is to walk wisely. Walking wisely implies three things. To walk watchfully. The wise man's eyes are in his head. Others watch for our halting, therefore we had need look to our standing. We must be aware not only of scandals, but of all that is unfitting, lest thereby we open the mouth of others with a fresh cry against religion. If our piety will not convert men, our prudence may silence them. So... Do we understand what he's saying there? Sometimes Christians, we watch like, we can do this as adults. I see it sometimes with younger people. Well, how far is too far? <laughs> how much can I get away with and, and not be sinning, right? Um, so he goes, not looking only for the scandals, but all that's unfitting. You know, in Thessalonians, we're told, um, avoiding even the appearance of evil. Uh, when I'm counseling and mentoring, uh, I, I point people to uh, Proverbs 22.3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. You know, being watchful. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we're watching out for those big sinful things. But if we start going down the wrong road, you know, if we start... Um, Flirting with temptation and, 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 and situations that could be a problem. Before we know it, we're stuck in the mire of sin. Um, 
And others have the opportunity then again to bring reproach on Christ, saying, these are his disciples, you know, and they love to do that. But if we're godly, if we're prudent, we can at least silence them, perhaps, if not convert. Mike? Trying to make a connection. Like, would that be, would that kind of fall in line with praying, you know, through this temptation? Yeah. That's you know, Sunday, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would, that would fall under that, sure. You know, recognizing that God is sovereign, you know, over our, our comings and goings. And while he doesn't tempt us, he does test us. You know, we're tempted by ourselves, our own desires, our own lusts. Um, but yeah, so we can, we can pray that. I mean, Jesus says, watch and pray, you know, that you don't fall into temptation. Uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Indeed. And just... Being wise, being aware about the, the relationships we have, the decisions that we make, the places we go, um, all sorts of things. We want to be mindful because we want to walk holy. Uh, and so walking in wisdom, that's, we're talking about walking wisely, so to walk watchfully. The second one of three is to walk courteously. The spirit of the gospel is full of meekness and politeness. Be courteous. Uh, I'll put that out there for now. ESV and the NASB talks about speaking, speaks of a humble mind. So be courteous. But humility leads to courtesy. Take heed of a morose or haughty behavior. Religion does not take away civility, but refines it. Abraham stood up and bound himself to the children of Heth. Though they were of a heathenish, a heathenish race, yet Abraham gave them a civil respect. Paul was of an affable temper. I am made all things to men that I might by all means save some. In lesser matters, the apostle yielded to others that by his winning matter, he might win upon them. So what is he saying here? What, to walk wisely, how should our, what our temperament should be? How should we be with others? That's right, John. Yes, <laughs> it's just to show respect and to view others, even if they're unbelievers, as God views them. It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Show, we're to give honor where honor is due. We're to give respect. You know, we're not supposed to speak evil of our leaders. Um, honor the king, right? Um, when he says does not take away civility, but refines it. There's a civility that if the heart is not, you could be civil and polite and appear uh, courteous, but I know because before I, before I was saved, I, I, I was able to put that out there, like, oh, this is, this is a professional, courteous man. Mm -hmm. But my heart wasn't in it. I didn't really care about the other person. Mm -hmm. I didn't love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a similar pattern of behavior, but there's something more there. Like not only am I asking how are you doing, but I mm -hmm. care what your answer is. Yeah. Was there hand? Alex and then Ashley? Yeah. Ashley and then Alex. Yeah. Ladies first. Thank you. I was just thinking, like, blessed are the peacemakers mm -hmm. in the earth, the children of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just being like polite, but just I guess being peaceful too. Mm -hmm. In a way, 
kind sure. of like what Steve was saying, that it's not just being civil, but also <clears throat> bringing like harmony as well? Yeah. I mean, we think of uh, peacemakers, <laughs> I remember, um, my brother got, my older brother, one of them got into a lot of trouble in, in the high school fight. Um, something had transpired and there was a fight and they'd gone to like a teacher who was nearby <laughs> to, to break up the fight and he refused and he said, bless her with the peacemakers. <laughs> Walked away. He got sued <laughs> for, for not doing his job of getting in there. I mean, when we think of making peace, we, you know, first and foremost, we're thinking peace with God and, and seeking to bring this ministry of reconciliation that others would have peace with God. And so, um, but yeah, what, what flows out of that is, is seeking to be people of peace and to seek to be ministers of peace and, and being that. And, um, well, let me take out his, and then we'll... Okay. Yeah, I was just going to add to what you said about like the leaders and having respect for the leadership and everything. This feels like, I'm sure this has gone on as long as history has gone on, but it feels like... It's amplified nowadays, especially with social media mm -hmm. and everybody thinking they have a platform and it goes beyond simple, it goes beyond questioning authority to like just outright being nasty. Disparaging I mean, them, speaking evil. <laughs> thinking of something even that came to my mind recently, when, a few months ago, some church, some pastor led a chant in his church of Let's Go Brandon. I mean, Yes, so I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are seeing that. Yeah. That's that's what you're doing in your worship service. Yes, mm. you know, that's it's not appropriate for any believer that to leave their lips. Never mind to come and worship God and say that. Yeah, there is something about disagreeing. And I mean, John the Baptist went to Herod and said, "It's not lawful for you to have her." You know, but he didn't go around. You know, and. You know, calling him all sorts of names and, and speaking all sorts of wicked things. And we went from just having an opinion or, or sharing, you know, freedom of speech to we speak evil of each other. Now, where is Martin Luther? Yeah. <laughs> he, was a, um, he was a fallible man, is what Martin Luther was. <laughs> uh, yeah, Earthy, I think, is how they referred to him back then. I think that's a euphemism. <laughs> he was earthy. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a chew up the meat and spit out the bones with our brother Luther. Yeah. So we, 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 we need to be careful about that, about being uh, courteous, you know, going back to what Steve had said, you know, you know, sometimes when you're trying to win friends and influence people, you're trying to, you put on this, this whole facade of, you know, you're trying to win their favor, you know, and I, I don't know, I forget who said it. Oh. What's that? No, I, I was thinking of the, the, the phrase I'm about to say. Is you can tell a lot about a man by the way he treats people who can do nothing for him. You know, That's when you know, this person over here, they have no wealth, no influence, nothing that in humanly speaking that they can benefit you. And you can see how some people treat them like, dirt like they're beneath them like they're not even you know worthy of their consideration but courteous is to each one treating all you know how we would want to be treated as as a standard but those are opportunities to, to walk wisely regardless of what their situation is we're told even with our enemies you know um to be loving towards them uh, to be kind towards them and so we need to be 
we need to set ourselves apart from how the world handles conflict and disagreements. We should, we still need to speak for truth, but we can do so in love. He's not a respecter of persons. Right. But the world is. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Okay. Moving on, we're almost done here. To walk magnanimously, though we must be humble, yet not base. It is unworthy to prostitute ourselves to the lusts of men. What is sinfully imposed ought to be zealously opposed. Conscience is God's, um, another word, diocese, where none has the right to visit. I'm not Catholic, I <laughs> But he who is the bishop of our souls, we must not be like hot iron, which may be beaten into any form. A brave-spirited Christian will rather suffer than let his conscience be violated. Here is a serpent and the dove united, uh, sagacity uh, and innocence. This prudential walking corresponds with our high calling and much adorns the gospel of Christ. That's um, wisdom is another word for that with innocence. And we know uh, that right, right out of scripture. What's that? I realized the, the base of the word is sage. Yes. Which is why. Very good. Excellent. Joelle's always really good with vocabulary. She got some Latin and some word roots. So she's always, nah, anyway, just speaking highly of my wife. She's very good with the words. I'm better pronouncing things too. Um, right, so, you know, some people term, you know, they're, they're used to this kind of idea as being charitable and being forgiving. Uh, but it also uh, can mean being of a courageous spirit. Um, and so we are courteous, but we're not compromising. You know, uh, we must be courageous. You just slammed Luther, but now we have to raise him up because this <laughs> describes him. See? <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, he spoke out. Um, and would not violate his conscience. Right. Yeah. See? So we take... <laughs> there we go. We walk with wisdom. Right. Uh, but exactly that. Exactly that. Um, and so we must be careful uh, to be courteous and yet not compromising. Uh, there's, they talk about the, um, the 11th commandment, thou, <laughs> thou must be nice, right? Um, thou shalt be nice. Um, but too many times that, that sentiment is used to compromise truth. You know, we can't speak against so-and-so because that wouldn't be nice. Uh, no, there's a, there's a balance there that we must walk in, so... To walk worthy of our calling is to walk influentially, to do good to others and to be rich in acts of mercy. Good works honor religion. As Mary poured uh, the ointment on Christ, so by good works we pour ointments on the head of the gospel and make it give forth a fragrant smell. Good works, though they are not the causes of salvation, yet they are evidences. When with our Savior we go about doing good and send abroad the refreshing influence of our liberality, we walk worthy of our high calling. Tripping over my words here. Um, and so to be influential, how do we do that? How do we walk influentially? Mike? Um, I think it starts with um, your own personal emotions. Um, you need to be filled. To, 
relationship with the Lord. That um, being evidenced and showing up in other people, comforting other people. Yeah, I mean, here, you know, he talks about good works. You know, we have the ministry of mercy, right, where we seek to minister to people. Um, and while we have opportunity to bring influence because we can benefit others and show them love, and, you know, that helps to give an audience with them, having God's word they have greater needs than even their hunger and their thirst and their need for clothing. Um, and being in the word and being able to speak a, a, a due word in season uh, is going to go far. So, yeah, we do need to be grounded in Christ. We need to be in our uh, devotions. We need to be imbibing the means of grace and then manifesting that to others, doing good works. I was thinking of the sheep and the goats mm -hmm. where Christ says on the last day, you know, those who helped the poor, those who fed the hungry, those mm -hmm. who visited the sick, mm -hmm. that, you know, you did it for them as if you did it for me. Right. And mm -hmm. those who are cast into punishment are those who didn't, who didn't help others. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. It's a great example. Steve? Um, I think getting, getting involved in, in people's lives that we, uh, that we engage with, um, as, you know, asking how, how they're doing, if they want to tell you about their family or something personal, and then you could follow up and ask how that's going, and, and you know, showing that you care, mm -hmm. and, and then um, you're influencing them, and they're also watching how you behave, mm -hmm. because they're, you're around them, and... Um, yeah, you know, um, just engaging with people and, and getting into their lives, you know, whether you're, you're showing hospitality or you're just showing concern for them. I mean, with this whole COVID thing, something that was brought up time and again was how much of that human connection was lost. People are locked up in their own places. And if they're single or whatever, they have no one else. I mean, suicide rates were on the rise um, because people were feeling disconnected. They were feeling depressed. So to show love to people, you know, and to engage with them and get to know them, that can be an act of mercy, yeah. Certainly in our day and age where we've lost sight of community, you know, God has made us to be in community with others. So, yeah, that, that's certainly part of it as well, and we can influence that way. All right, we're going to finish up here. Here's a matter of consolation to you who are effectually called. God has magnified rich grace toward you. You are called to great honor to be co-heirs with Christ. This should revive you in the worst of times. Let men reproach and miscall you. Set God's calling of you against man's miscalling. Let men persecute you to death. They do but give you a pass and send you to heaven the sooner. How may this cure the trembling of the heart? What, though the sea roars, though the earth is unsettled, though the stars are shaken out of their places, you need not fear. You are effectually called and therefore are sure to be crowned. And so what's... What's our consolation here? What's this matter of encouragement that he's giving in an exhortation? Um, what is he telling us? We can't lose. Can't lose. Right? Even if they kill you, they're just sending you to heaven sooner than you expected. <laughs> it's, it's a positive way of looking at it. Right? Um, 
It is true. And so recognize what he's implying as he said it, though. Um, God has magnified grace in you and blessed you with abundant blessings. Abundant blessings, numerous blessings, more than you could ask or think. But you will be a target of those who hate God, you know. Even when you seek to show mercy, even when you seek to speak the truth, even when you seek their own welfare and their good, there are going to be times where you're going to be a target. Um, it says, fear not. Continue to walk worthy, recognizing the worst they can do to you is send you to heaven a little sooner than expected. Um, but all these uh, forms of persecution that we can encounter, they still work for the good of those who love God who are called. So um, be encouraged. Uh, believer, um, we have great consolation in Christ and in his mercies. So, any questions or comments? Suggestions? No, we're not doing suggestions. <laughs> okay. All right, so next week we'll finish off with chapter 9, and then um, that'll be it. So let's pray, and then we'll move on to our... listening to the Reformed Rookie Podcast, where we aim to teach Reformed theology to beginners or rookies. Be sure to look us up on the web at www.reformedrookie.com, where you will find many more learning tools and aids to help you grow in your understanding of all things Reformed. And remember, Semper Reformanda! Dr. Luther, are you prepared to retract these writings? In some, I discuss faith and good works. If I were to retract these, I should be denying accepted Christian truths. Martin Luther, you have not yet answered the question. Will you recant, or will you not? Here it is. I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen.